Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Four Checking TV. I'm your host, Doug Glackey. Alongside me is my co-host, Scotty Porterfield. And tonight we are joined by a special guest, Zachary Smith of Around the 412 and DK Pittsburgh Sports. Smitty, how are we doing, buddy? Love it. I was hoping I, when you said Scotty's name, I was like, are we going to get it? Are we going to get it? I was waiting for <laughs> Every it. Time. Every time. I couldn't come yeah, in until yeah. we said it. Thanks for having me on, boys. I love being on here. Appreciate you having me back on. Yeah, man, definitely, definitely. We're hyped to have you on because we always have great conversations. I feel like we have a good chemistry together and, you know, let's get rolling. So to start off, um, the team chemistry has not been disrupted. May have <laughs> been disrupted Speaking in of chemistry. my bank account um, as <laughs> I hit like $300 on Malkin the other night. But for, for that first game back after like eight months, he looks unbelievable. Um, like so much to the point that it's like, okay, like let's get this team healthy. Let's get them all out of the protocol and see what we're cooking with. Um, obviously we're all probably going to say at some point in the episode, backup goalie, but outside of that, I'm, I'm ready to just go all in and ride, you know? I hate that like I'm sitting here. I like want to jump out of my chair because like you said, it's like besides a backup goaltender, what does this team need right now? I mean, we know we're all like as Penguin fans, we know this team's never going to be fully healthy, but this team and we had I had this conversation actually with Jesse Marshall earlier in the week. He's telling me and he's kind of convinced me of it. This team is deeper than the teams that won back to back cups. just from a depth standpoint. Are they necessarily better? No, but just from a depth standpoint, they are as deep if not deeper than those two teams that won back-to-back cups. I mean, when you think about guys that aren't going to be dressing, right, when you actually have your full complement of players back, if you're able to turn to guys like, like a Drew O'Connor that might not be in the lineup, like a Brian Boyle, who actually, I got to give him some credit, has actually been a serviceable player. I didn't foresee that happening. Like Dom Simone's not going to be in the lineup. Like, But these are guys that we could potentially need, especially with – we know the Penguins injury history with COVID now playing such a large role. These are guys, we need as many bodies as we can. And they, they're just a quality team top to bottom with Gino coming back. What an exciting night that was. It kind of sucks that his first four games, they were all on the West coast, 10 o'clock or later, especially for us East coast boys, staying up late to watch these games. But uh, it's, it's exciting times right now to be a Penns fan, man, because like with what he brings to this team on the power play, especially I know, People will like say this doesn't matter, like historical context. What have you done for me lately? Historically, the Penn's power play, 17% without Evgeny Malkin in the lineup, 21% with him in the lineup. That number speaks for itself to me. That's how much better he makes this team on the power play. And that's been, to me, we talked about the backup goaltending. That's problem one. Problem two has been this team's power play. So if he can improve that in any way, this team's ready to roll. Definitely, you know, and the, the most exciting part about it is, um, you know, you have Malkin back on the power play with this current version of Jake Gensel. Yes. Jake is getting in the paint and getting in the dirty areas like people thought he couldn't before. Um, Literally just last pr- playoffs, there was a conversation. Yeah, he, he proved everybody wrong and was crushing it. Scotty, what do you think? I mean, yeah, this team's firing on all cylinders right now. Obviously, he's missing. Obviously, you know, we can beat the backup goalie situation to a dead horse. But, I mean, right now, having Evgeny Malkin back makes that team 10 times better. And you just showed he hasn't missed a beat. The team chemistry hasn't been messed with at all. And I kind of want to bring up, like, an idea or just not even an idea, I guess, but something that I saw, I guess, on Twitter because, obviously, 
it was it kind of grabbed my attention. Gino and Carter look pretty good together in Anaheim. Now maybe this is just a good idea. Now maybe the West Coast road trip's a good thing to gauge on as to whether or not they're a good pairing together. Maybe they can make it work with Kapitan. But how would we feel about instead of having Erod play on the left wing with Gino and and uh, Kapitan, let Carter play there, let Rodriguez center his own line. Because whenever Rodriguez was play, whenever he was playing on that second line, he was doing pretty good for himself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Dougie, we saw it firsthand against San Jose. Granted, it's San Jose, but still, I mean, he he held he handled his own. And I think that you put him with a, a Danton Heinen or a Drew O'Connor, that's a serviceable third line that can get the job done. That can definitely mess up the chemistry for a lot of other teams. So, what do we think about that? The truth is, go ahead. <laughs> No, I'm so mad because I was going to bring this up. I feel like my – did you have – you have access to my, the notes in my phone or something, Strouty? Uh, no, but at least to start, right, I think that we saw an indication of this just in that game in L.A. Like, they don't want Gino taking face-offs right now. He only took – he only won one face-off in the entire game. He only took four. Jeff Carter was taking those. So it makes sense to have a center on his – one of his two wings. That's Carter right now. And if that chemistry continues, I don't see them wanting to – Change that Carter was a guy that was playing left wing in LA before he came to Pittsburgh. They actually moved him back to center upon that trade. So it's not like it's an unnatural spot for Carter to be in. It kind of changes his mentality. I think a little bit too, um, especially once Gino is able to like be at full speed can take on more of a defensive. I know people might laugh at that because everybody wants to like the, the narrative is Gino doesn't want to play defense. Um, you know, and then Kapanen being on that right wing, that's the it's crazy that that's more of a question to me is how does Kapanen fit in with these other two? Because he kind of looked like I don't want to say a miscast in that game, but I don't know if you guys know. I'm I'm really like picking the nitty-gritty here because of how good that line looked overall. But there was a situation where they had an odd man rush up the ice and Kapanen just completely stalls it by stopping at the blue line. I just think that he has trouble picking up on how to support Malkin carrying the puck. And maybe this is just a short-term thing. But that obviously can't continue. I, I love the idea, though, honestly, of because in my mind, and this is before Carter came out yesterday and said about wanting to play a couple more years. In my mind, I was re-signing Evan Rodriguez with the idea that he was going to be the third line center next year, assuming Carter wasn't going to be on the roster. So I have no qualms at all about Evan Rodriguez taking over his own line as a center. Yeah, I really like it. Um, I think if you put Rodriguez at center with either Zucker one of Zucker and O'Connor and Dan Hunt on that right side. Like you're, that's as close as you're going to get to unlocking the HBK line, man. Like, mm. I really think that it can be that deadly. Um, you know, and also part of me wants to parts starts to wonder, I know we all talk about what great chemistry the Kasperi captain has with Malkin, but one of the best lines of five V five this year is Zucker Rodriguez and captain. So like, why not, if you need to throw Danton Heinen up there, throw Danton Heinen up there and see what happens with Malkin. Yeah, that's not a bad idea either. I think that everybody's just kind of assuming uh, when healthy, we see Sid, Jake, and Rust, and then Bluder, Aston, Reese, and McGinn. So it's really, you know, how do those other six spots, uh, you know, work out? And and I don't like, I don't, I don't like, I don't dislike either one of those options, to be quite honest with you. Um, I think that Danton Heinen gives you enough of a def- Defensive presence, especially that if you want to flip him and uh, and Kapanen and, and have Heinen play up with Gino, then you know that can maybe ease some of those uh, burdens that people are talking about, or ease the mind of those people that think that you know a Gino Carter, whoever line isn't going to bring enough defense. If you put a guy like Danton Heinen 
up with those two. Definitely. And like, we all need to keep in mind, and I, I said this last week when we did our show, um, Dan Heinen was originally signed to be a defensive specialist. Like, I really believe that contract was put pen to paper in with the assumption he was going to play where Brock McGinn plays right now on that blue grass and reslot. But he got the, uh, the, a, the uh, plus finishing ability back from when he was in Boston. And it's, you know, he's just been lighting the world on fire in a sense from here, here from like time to time. So that's, I mean, I think even, but even with Brock McGinn, like I I've liked what I've seen from him as well. I think he's a huge reason why, I mean, not just obviously the, the turnaround and that, for Tristan Jari is the biggest reason because he's got to be the best penalty killer. But you look at what that penalty kill has done this year. I don't think it's, it's just that. I think that it's, you know, the addition of a guy like Brock McGinn, who in my opinion has been one of their best, their two best penalty killing forwards. Um, I, I can't wait till he's able to get back. That was kind of a, should we talk about that at all? Kind of a funny story. Not that he got COVID, but the dude had to literally just be in a hotel room for five days by himself and then eventually travel back to meet up with the team. Yeah, I was watching. Uh, I was I was actually watching podcasts on Fifth Ave before I started uh, okay. getting prepped for this. So yeah, I kind of I, I heard about that earlier, and I was just like, man. So like, <laughs> he's just he's just like chilling in the hotel room, and then it's like planes, trains, and automobiles getting to wherever they are in California. Yeah, crazy. hopefully he had like a balcony or something at his hotel. Yeah. I don't know what he was doing, <laughs> dude. I would I would have lost my mind. Um, I almost I almost quarantined in a hotel once whenever my family had COVID and I would have mm. I would have went insane. So yeah. I can't even just to, just to give you guys an idea, because I had to quarantine last season uh, during we had a COVID outbreak on our baseball team here at Waynesburg. And I had to quarantine in my dorm by myself for like an entire week. I mean, it does eventually take a, take a toll on you. Granted, McGinn's probably staying in a nicer place than I was right here in, uh, in Waynesburg. But um yeah, just you know, you're surrounded by the same four walls the entire time, and there isn't much to do. Yeah, hope, like you said, Smitty, hopefully, he did have a balcony because at least have something to look <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, get some fresh air or something. And I can't think yeah. about I, like I obviously he wasn't charged the bill, but think about like the bill too, like the extra days he had to stay there, then all the food that he would have had to have get, whether that be like getting like DoorDash or just the from the hotel food service, like crazy. Yeah, it's a lot of things that go into it, and. I just want to touch on because you brought him up, Smitty. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, The guy that I feel like has kind of been glossed over a little bit now that everyone's starting to come back to the lineup, but is still probably one of, if not the most important parts of the team, is Tristan Jari, two-time All-Star now, by the way. Thanks for coming. What a great job by him. What a bounce back. I mean, I've I've talked about it with Dougie plenty of times on here. The guy was honestly a trade target this summer. I mean, everybody who everybody wanted him out out of Pittsburgh. If we're just being honest, there no one wanted him to hear, and now all of a sudden here he is with a, an incredible bounce back season, and now with a chance to, you know, now he's an all star again, and now he seems like he's poised enough that he could potentially lead the Penguins into another playoff series and maybe even steal one if they need to. So what a great year he's been having. Hopefully, it continues into the second half. Yeah, so the thing with him, right, is he's not going to be able to answer the big question that people have about him until the playoffs start, and we see what he looks like in the playoffs. But, yeah, just, like, the mental state that he has, like, the mental toughness to bounce back the way that he has when all he heard all offseason was the Penguins need to get a goaltender, and they'll be good. Like, everybody believed in pretty much the rest of the roster, 
except for the goaltender and to bounce back and be the strongest part really of the team. Like where would we be without the way that Tristan Jari played at the beginning of the year? Think about when this team was struggling to score goals, right? Like the chances were up, but they weren't scoring a ton of goals, crazy number expected goals, but no goals on the score sheet to show for it. And we were losing these games one, nothing two one in overtime, but he was stealing a point. He was keeping them afloat. I have no idea where the Penguins are right now. If they didn't get this exact version of Tristan Jari. We lost a lot of games in the shootout just yeah. because Jari was able to push it to that point. I think that was like you said, Smitty, it comes down to stealing, stealing a point or two in some cases. I mean, yeah, like you said, there were a lot of times there where the Penguins weren't finding the net and Tristan Jari was keeping them in games, even winning a couple of them for them at the same time. So yeah, power to him. He's definitely been the main, re- I'd say the main reason why the team is in the position they're in. Cause if we're being honest, if he's, playing the way he did back in April and May, we're not, they're not a playoff team right now. They're not in the position they're in. And who knows what's happening with the team at this point. So good for job by him keeping the team afloat when he did, because now that you're starting to get all the, all the top dogs and the big guns back, the Penguins are ready to roll. Yeah. And that's all the, like we said, like with how we don't know how he's going to be able to answer the bill till playoffs. That's why I'm so hell bent on them getting a backup goalie like yeah, ASAP. Absolutely. Because the last thing I want is like the early career flurry or like the Toronto Frederick Anderson type thing happen where he's playing like 55 to 60 games a year. And then he's so gassed by the time the playoffs start that he can't get them to where they need to be. You know, I mean, the fact that Chris Letang said in an interview last week that he thought last year's team can do it, but they weren't able to get the elements that they needed, you know, obviously definitely a goaltending, you know, I didn't think that team had any chance in the world of making it out of like the second round. So like, imagine what Letang thinks about this team now. Imagine what he's going to think when they're fully healthy and rocking and rolling, because like, we're not talking about just, any regular crystal tang we're talking about a crystal tang that might be playing some of the best most polished consistent hockey of his life you know like he's on pace for like 75 points this year that's yeah. norris trophy caliber if despite only six goals <laughs> yeah yeah despite only six goals but that's norris trophy caliber yeah if adam fox and kale mccarr don't exist you know yeah. like, kale mccarr is ridiculous dude kale mccarr might honestly be one of the top three best players in hockey in terms of talent, let's, like it's it's okay, let's, absurd. Let's, let's get into that's that. also that's BS. A, what came out of Philly though? Oh, one hundred percent. Did you see that? Yeah, about Bobby Clark just ripping Hexton because yeah. the the player in mind he was actually talking about wasn't Kale McCarr. It was it would have been Miro Heiskanen. And that, and that makes a little bit more sense. But it's like, who in the world didn't think that Nolan Patrick was like one of the top two picks in that draft? Like, Dude, he, he was consensus. Yeah, and he, if he's healthy and stayed healthy, he could have probably been like this generation's version of like Eric Lindros if everything worked out for him properly. Like, I, I think they took him with that thought process in mind. Yeah. You know? I don't know. It just, it just rubbed me the wrong way for him to come out and say that. Um, you know, I, I think it's just it's sour grapes on his part. Uh, you know, the fact that Hextall is now in Pittsburgh and and doing what he's doing. I just 
yeah, I, I don't believe that for a second. I think hindsight's twenty twenty, and they can look at it now and say, oh, we made the wrong pick. Well, you know, obviously, but I don't think that anybody in that room thought it was a bad pick at the time. Yeah. Bobby Clark once almost got my dad and my cousin thrown out of a suite in the 2008 playoffs, but that's a story for another day. What in the world? All right. Yeah. yeah. I need to hear that story yeah, on another t- day. That- <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you at some point. It's Hey, it's I want to actually take a step back because the name that we just brought up recently as it pertains to the Penguins was Crystal Tang and talking about him playing maybe his best hockey. I think I've definitely seen him play, I'll say better hockey. Like I've seen his high be higher than what it is right now. I think the best hockey I watched him play was probably in that first of the back-to-backs. Um, especially in that series against San Jose. He just completely shut them down. Also had a, a point on all four of the game-winning goals and each Penguins win. I mean, he was just unreal in that series on another planet. But what I will say is what we're getting from Chris Letang right now is essentially the same offensive player without making that big mistake that everybody wants to rip him for. Like, this is what everybody wants from Chris Letang. I did not expect his game to age so beautifully, but I think it's just a testament to his cardio and work ethic that he is playing like this uh, at the age that he is. And very deserving of a contact extension. Um, just what we've seen from Chris Letang this year, I don't think it's, like I said, the best hockey that I've seen him play, but I'm more impressed with him now than i ever been just because of how we're watching his game translate and just the minor tweaks to his game to be able to age the way that he has. Definitely, you know, and honestly, I just want to say the same could probably be said for Mike Matheson as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah he's another one. Like I swear, like him and Ruido together are dynamite. And we all thought that him and CC together were sick because it was just two guys that were historically bad, just balling out together. But like, yeah, I think that's a nice thing. And that's a testament to both Todd Reardon and Mike Sullivan and like the system that they run and how tight of a ship it can be at times that, you get two guys of that talent level to just buy in and play as mistake as much of mistake free hockey as they possibly can. And honestly, like if that's the case, that te- this team can go places, you know, and that I feel like with what we just said, we could shut down the Malkins going to kill the system thing as well, because Gino's going to buy in, like he's there. I think Mike Sullivan in terms of like a getting um, the most out of Gino, I think Mike Sullivan's probably the best coach in Malkin's career at that, you know, because Sully isn't going to take, take it. Like he's not going to deal with it. And honestly, like if they're able to keep things going and keep it as tight of a ship as it's been, like we're really starting to be cooking with something um, here going into the spring. I think And you guys, again, you know, this is as a Penguins fan, so the bias could come through here. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a better coach in the NHL than Mike Sullivan. I think the buy-in that he gets from the players, we see it with the Stars or without the Stars in the lineup. Everybody buys in and plays the system perfectly. It's just, it's crazy to me because you see the, the quick turnaround with NHL coaching tenures, right? Like, very few guys in the NHL and the coaching ranks have long tenures anymore because the message gets stale so quick. It's kind of crazy that Sullivan has been around as long as he has, just because it seems like it was yesterday when he was hired, but he's been around much longer than the average coach last in the NHL. And he's doing it with a core of players that 
we obviously love them. We love everything that they've done for us. They're not necessarily easy to coach. And we've seen the message get stale very shortly for some other coaches, right? We saw how quickly things went south with Dan Bosma. Mike Johnson was a disaster from the beginning, so I don't even know if we should include him. Michelle Terrian, right? These guys, they, they're not bad hockey coaches, but it's just after time the message got stale, and that hasn't happened with Sullivan. I don't, I don't think that we see it happen with Sullivan. And to your point, Dougie, about, uh, about Todd Reardon, I think it was a blessing in disguise for him to be able to come back. I wasn't too sure about it on the surface when they brought him back. Obviously, things didn't work out that well with him as the head coach of the Capitals. But what he's done for this team from a special team standpoint and with the defensive core, also, like he even touched on it, just very blessed that they've been able to, for the most part, be able to keep the same six uh, on the defensive core out there. They're just, they're unreal. Those three pairings all together, especially now that Brian Dumlin's found his game because he's playing at a better level too. Because at the beginning of the year, he stunk, but he's back. Yeah, let's, let's take it from there because this is the closest we've gotten to like peak 2016-2017 Dumo. Yeah. Like that, that goal in Dallas. With, with Latang playing at the level he is. Exactly. Like he's going as Latang is going, and that is going to be a very underrated element to this entire puzzle if they're able to get win a playoff round and then go on a run. You know, because for sure, the only like it got to a point where we were at, at a point earlier this year where the only defenseman we were really worried about was Brian Dumoulin. Like I, I was having the yep. thoughts of, OK, if this guy still isn't doing well by January or February, you look to move him out at the deadline and you try to get a better defenseman in return or something or someone that would fit better with Latang. You know, thank God he found his game because I wasn't ready to embark on that journey yet. And, you know, we're still kicking. Yeah, there was definitely a point during the year, and obviously, Doug, you said it, we talked about it, where we were having the hypothetical Brian Dumoulin traits. And uh, it's good to see that he got his game back together now and he's starting to, you know, mesh again with Latang like we've seen him do in the past. But going back to your point, Smitty, because I really like what you said about uh, Mike Sullivan. I remember reading uh, a quote from Larry Bird, and he was talking about how, you know, it seems like with a, with a team in a professional setting, a coach only has about a three-year window where he can really maximize with his team before the message gets stale, like you said, or where they start tuning him out. That hasn't happened with Mike Sullivan. And it's honestly surprising when you think about it. You know, we look at other coaches, like like you said, Michelle Terrian was one who had a, who – had short-term success, but once again, he had a short shelf life. He was gone after four or five years, however long it was. Dan Bilesma, you know, had the had the run for a little bit there, and then again, things just wore out. So to see that Sully has had that that grasp on the team and to continue to have it, power to him, man. It's great because obviously it didn't seem like that was going to be the case for at least in a couple of recent years there back in 2019, maybe that was, yeah, they were starting to lose them. And now to see where the team's at, it's a good, it's a good spot to be in. See, like, I know that everybody, like you mentioned the 2019 series that sweep against the Islanders. Absolutely awful. I think people really still have the bad taste though, from the bubble series versus the Canadians, because yeah. there's no reason that team should have lost that series. Jesse and I were actually talking about this. And the biggest thing with that series is, you know, Sullivan completely got away from his system. 
He essentially handed the keys to the star players, which, I mean, he defers to them a lot. I think that's why they like playing for him. He's not a player's coach. He's definitely a disciplinarian, but he, he lets the shooters shoot and he lets guys play the style of hockey they like. In that series, though, he did it in a way that he shouldn't have. Essentially, like Jesse was talking about this. He was like, listen, if the Canadians are going to sit back, Gino, take the puck from our, from our own end and just carry it yourself all the way down the ice. And they had way too many odd man rushes against them because of plays like that. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that, that you notice with this team is even with coaches that have short-term success and get their teams to buy in for a little bit of time, like that's all fine and dandy. You can capitalize on that. I would say that that's probably more of what this team was, <clears throat> excuse me, under Dan Bilesma. What they are under Mike Sullivan, though, is a team that has not just completely bought in, but now looks and completely matches their coach's identity from top to bottom. Yep. Just from a roster standpoint, literally every player on this roster, every forward, every defenseman, they mirror Mike Sullivan's identity with the way that they play hockey. And that's why they're so good. Definitely, you know, and the way that everything's working right now with what you just said is why is what makes me feel so comfortable where it's like, okay, like if O'Connor, Boyle, Simone, Casper Bjorkfist, I could go down the list. If any of those guys need to get a game or two in the playoffs, I'm not going to freak out about it. Like I'm not even going to sweat it because, you know, a lot of us will remember a time where, you know, it's a Sunday afternoon game in the playoffs. And especially in 17, whenever um, Archibald and Rowney were both as consistent as they were in those in the um, Ottawa series specifically, like where you're like, you're, you're looking at the lineup. You're just like, okay, why the hell is Carl Hagelin scratched? And then like <laughs> Rowney or Archibald will go out and have a big moment. Like, you know, people talk about that one shift in the, um, in the Ottawa game where they blew them out like seven or eight, nothing where they had the puck in the offensive zone for like three and a half minutes. Yeah. All of that was basically quarterbacked by Carter Rowney, you know, and like, it's little things like that where, you know, if they're able to, if you're able to have these healthy scratch guys or these black aces or taxi squad players come in and be able to buy in and make an impact, whether it be something minor, like that is, that's the biggest thing. And that's what makes me believe this is much more different than a lot of the years that we've seen in the Crosby Malkin era. Like I'm to a point now where I'll put this, this fully healthy forward and defense group up against any roster in the Crosby Malkin era. Like, I think they're that good. Yeah, I so I think I mean I really like the 2018 team. I think that they just ran out of gas, but I think that they definitely and it was Washington's time. Like Washington was really good too, but that Penguins team I think could have repeated. They just ran out of gas and ran into obviously the team that was the best team in hockey in the second round. Uh, but beyond that, like teams that haven't won that didn't win the cups, I think this is a better team than any of them uh, for sure. And even teams that won cups, right? Like like we're saying right now. They very well could be deeper. Now, do they stay as healthy as like the Penguins? We know historically aren't healthy. They even didn't have Chris Letang in that second cup run or the back to backs. But like that first one, for the most part, we're able to stay healthy. Can they do that again? Especially now that COVID is such a big factor. Uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, but just from a talent and depth standpoint, 
this team's right there with anybody. Like it's hard not to get excited. If you're, if your backup goalie is the only problem with the team, like how, how are you not like just jumping for joy, knowing that essentially you need to trade like a mid round pick to get what your team needs. The only need on your roster right now. Yeah. And let's talk about that because honestly, I wouldn't trade Casey DeSmith in the trade for the goalie um, or for a potential backup goalie. I wouldn't mind keeping Casey DeSmith in the organization for the rest of the year and then reassessing um, in the off season once his contract's up, because I've thought about it from this standpoint, like if this, if Jari's comfortable with DeSmith and likes having him there, it might not even be worth rocking the boat um, to the point where you trade the guy. Maybe you bring in, maybe you use like a third or a fourth round pick and bring in like a Braden Holtby or Yaroslav Halak and you just put the Smith down on the taxi squad. You know, my biggest pipe Halak, dream. Halak's the one I keep thinking about. The bit, Yeah, I think about him a lot. And the other one I think about a lot is um, Jonas Corpusalo in Columbus. Hmm. Um, I feel like he played really, really well for them in the bubble. Um, so much to the point that there were people that I think thought that he'd be able to supplant Elvis Merzlikens. But um, I think if you trade for him and you get him with Andy Kyoto right away, you could help him and get his game to a higher gear. So then it's no longer a backup scenario. It can be a potential one, a one B down the stretch, giving Jari time and giving Jari those games of rest so that he can be your number one in the playoffs. So real Absolutely. quick, we're talking if we're talking backup goalies. Um, obviously, there's a big name in Boston that just came back. Uh, mm. Tuukka Rask just made his return back overseas. So now you figure, you know, there's got to be an odd man out now that Rask is back. If Wayman, if you were yeah, if you were to make an offer to to the Boston to Cam Neely and the Bruins, you know, what would you be willing to give up for Jeremy uh, Swayman? I don't know that Boston's going to trade because Rast is really, I, I feel like it's more of like a sentimental thing. Like I, I'm surprised that he's back, honestly, especially after they uh, brought in Linus Olmark. I thought that was kind of it. Like it was just going to be him and Swayman. Um, I, I mean, if they're interested in trading Swayman, I, I think that's an interesting route to go. I mean, I think it's, it's I, I just, something that you at least look into, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, like I, I get what you're saying. Spain, yeah. Like, it, like, it could just be like one lat, like it could be like a Ben Roethlisberger deal. Hey, he's on his last ride, whatever. Right. But I think, but you know, with Tuka Rask, maybe he doesn't plan on leaving just yet. Maybe he just didn't feel like showing up to training camp. I don't know. But I, I think, think it's, it's I think it's more about what a Swayman want because now he's seen on his own mark take over that starting net, but he's not going to come to Pittsburgh. I, I almost think reading, that he. Yeah. I think it's almost a situation where I, I don't necessarily. Um, think that his long-term future is in Boston. I could see him going somewhere else, but I think it will be a different team that inquires on him yeah. uh, instead of Pittsburgh, just because I think it's going to be a team that's actually looking for a starter or at least a, a tr- true like 1A, 1B situation. Here we're looking mm-hmm. for a guy to take some of the workload away from Jari, but I don't think a true yeah. 1B. Okay, mm-hmm. so Jeremy Swayman's waiver exempt. He's just going to go down to Providence. He is, yeah, right now. But um... – I don't know. I think like, you know, I think it's just going to be a one year thing with Tuka, send him off into the yeah. sunset because like, I still think long-term Jeremy Swayman's their number one, you know? Um, really? Yeah, I do. 
Um, I think that it might take a little longer than usual. Like think about how long it took for the, um, for the stars to get Jake Ottinger going. Mm. You know, that's a guy that's been in their organization for probably like a good five, six years now, but they finally have him comfortable and acclimated so much to the point that he's already supplanted Anton Hudobin and has Hudobin playing um, in the AHL. People brought his name up. Yeah, him too. That's it's tough because like I don't know how you make it work with the cap because like I'm not gonna pay it back. I, I wouldn't want them paying a backup goalie three and a half, especially because he's under contract for next year too. Right. You guys had um, Nick Berlansky on here, but he was actually the one that put out uh, the mock, and it was actually Jason Zucker going the other way. And I'm yeah. like, man, like does either team really want to take on that cap situation? That's the thing. Yeah, it's tough. You know, and like, the only way that works is if they retain salary, plain and simple. I think that's the only way that deal works is if Dallas does retain salary. And from like the reports that I've read about it, it seems like that's the consensus around the league is that if they do try and move Hugh Dobin, Dallas is going to have to eat some of that. So that's on them, obviously. I mean, or they don't eat it and they're essentially getting nothing back. But I think they would probably rather eat some of it and get like, I don't know, a third out of it right. as opposed to getting pretty much nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm looking at someone's stats right now to make sure that I I want to say this. <laughs> I don't want to say it. Never mind. Well, how um, do we feel about just giving Louis Domingue a shot? I don't think Mike Sullivan feels like giving Louis Domingue a shot. Um, it doesn't seem like it, right? Because he could easily yeah. start one of these games on the West Coast. But yeah. it's it's literally like unless there's a back to back, it's Tristan Jari the entire way, which scares me. Uh, yeah. You know what it's going to be like down the road. Exactly. You know, and I mean, Taylor Haas has said some stuff about it as well, like where it's like she thinks that it looks like Sullivan doesn't trust him, and you know who knows. Yeah. I mean, plus like with this team having, they're they're going to have space to work with at the deadline. Like they could get really creative i feel like in terms of just putting on a backup goalie yeah with the pens cap situation right now this isn't a situation where like okay we have to settle for this guy if you really want to go out and get a quality backup they can make it work i mean i just want to come out and say it you know how like last year we got jeff carter at 50 percent retained and nobody saw it coming right what if we did that with jonathan quick ah yeah, I mean, 50% retained to be the backup. I guess I don't hate it. And obviously, you have the Hextall connection, which is why everybody was trying to link it in the offseason. <sighs> well, see, here's the problem. Now we do see it coming. <laughs> so now yeah. it can't happen like the Jeff Carter yeah. situation. Uh, but, yeah, I, I actually have no idea what he looks like this year at all. I mean, that, uh, that Cal Peterson's been played a lot more recently, right? Yeah. He has. Um, Jonathan Quick. We're about to be playing them. I know that this is going to come out tomorrow, but like as of recording this, we're pl- that's who's starting against the Penguins? Oh, it is Quick. Okay. Yeah. Quick has a 921. And quick hasn't played ter- terribly this year. Yeah. No. It doesn't look yeah. like he's been and too he's bad. 10, 10, 8, and 4. So, yeah, he's been fairly decent for the, for the LA Kings this year. So, yeah. Boy. You know, 
and that that could be something that you can use Zucker for. Um, obviously, has the the playoff pedigree as well. I mean, if you're yeah. really, it, we're obviously a little bit worried about what Jari does uh, in those moments. I mean, to have a guy like that, you know, that's won multiple Stanley Cups on the bench. Yeah, been there, done that. Yeah, I mean, you can make the case for it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought about Jake Allen today too, but like at the same time, it's like. How many assets do you want to flush down the toilet? What first? is that? Uh, what's his? Do we do we know what his injury is yet? Is it is anything significant? I haven't seen anything. I think he's still getting evaluated, potentially. Okay. Um, and also at the same time with that situation too, like you don't know if Carey Price is going to have something happen again because obviously he's got an injury history and he does. And you know he took a step. He took time to step away from the game to reevaluate his mental health and whatnot. Things like that can happen at any moment. And, you know, I think with Montreal, you can't take that gamble of obviously your team's, you know, probably, you know, given up this year, obviously, because they're not doing anything productive. But at the same time, I don't think you want to completely just disregard Jay Gallon. You do need some bright spot on the roster. And I think he could be one, at least between the pipes. So I don't know if that one would yeah, be. I have no work, clue. At least on Montreal's current. end. I have no clue who their current backup is, and he'd obviously be the starter if they were to move Jake Allen. So I don't know. They've been splitting it between Caden Primo and um, Sam Monimbo. Monimbo uh, is the one that was playing. Okay, that's the yeah, one that came he, in. If you, I don't know if you remember him. He was backing up Bobrovsky back whenever the Panthers really didn't have a goalie hmm. for a time there. Or no, he was backing up the long going. Okay. Yeah, he was like their main. Oh, wow. Going back that long. Yeah, he was like their main backup for Luongo back before Drieger burst onto the burst onto the scene. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So it's been a while for him. Um, but yeah, that's that's the big thing is like we have no idea how this is going to go. Um, you know, and it's not like Jim Rutherford where he's literally trading his guys through the media. Uh, we have no right. idea what. Ron yeah, we know, we'd already know what the plan was. Actually, he. I have no doubt in my mind Rutherford would have traded, would have either traded Jari or maybe keep Jari in the roster, but we've gotten a goalie and probably given up way too much for them or spent way too much money on one. Watch you like, like, I just feel like, I mean, we don't know for sure that this would have happened, but I just feel like this team looks so differently with Jim Rutherford at the helm right now. Like Chris Letang probably isn't on the team because that's rumored to be the move that he wanted to make that really led to everything that, led to his departure. I 100% believe he trades Brian Russ this past off season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think that we're looking at a very different Penguins team right now. If he's still running the ship, Zach Cassian would be playing top line with Sidney Crosby <laughs> right now and Jake Gens. Um, And they'd probably be a lottery team. Actually, yeah. Uh, we're not a playoff team with him. I don't think. Although, Speaking of Rutherford, we kind of did bring up this guy's name on the back end, Mike Matheson. I mean, to me, that's like the guy that I look at and circle as somebody that exemplifies how good of a head coach Mike Sullivan is, because yes. I don't know that anybody deploys him in the fashion that Sullivan does to get what he's gotten out of him and make sure that he's not, because we know the, what the highs are. We know what the, how low the lows are and the way that he's deployed along with Chad Ruedel, who I think never gets enough credit and never has in his Penguins tenure for what he's done. Um, you know, I think that though, that pairing really exemplifies how good of a head coach Mike Sullivan is. I totally agree. You know, and you see some clips of in the room where 
he's talking to Matheson. He's like, okay, like, he's like, I know you like to do this, but we need you to do this. And like, you know, Matheson's agreeing with him. And it's like, he said, he's like, we know you have the offensive instincts. And if you feel like you're able to take a chance to take it, but don't put the team at risk to do it. You know, because like last year we saw him doing like Olympic power skating stuff (laughs) through the freaking offensive zone, like Bobby Orr. And it's like, we haven't seen that even once this year, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's, that's important. Um, You know, and the biggest thing that with Mike Sullivan that um, wouldn't happen on all 30 other 31 NHL teams is he's literally handling him with kid gloves. He doesn't put him on the power play hardly ever um, unless there's injuries. And we all know that he probably would, benefit better from being on the power play but like we're not going to destroy john marino's potential development path to put like a 28 29 year old mike matheson on the second power play unit that hardly even gets ice time to begin with yeah i think too like the thing with matheson is and someone perfectly described to me before as he is what everybody felt like chris letang was you know, when it comes to playing the the irresponsible hockey where it's like, I'm going to take every possible chance. If it turns out great, great. If it doesn't, they're probably going the other way on a three on one or something like that. Um, but that's literally like what Mike Matheson is at the same time. I don't think that I, there's anybody else on the roster that has his skating ability and can put himself in a situation that's terrible where he has three guys surrounding him and then get out of it as quickly as he does as well. I mean, he's just he's ridiculous. He's a roller coaster. There's no other way to describe it. It's fun to watch, but at the same time, it's nice to see that Mike Sullivan has been able to, to rein him in a little bit, especially this year. Absolutely. You know, and like the big thing with Matheson and his skating ability is if all else fails and things are clogged up skating through the neutral zone, he can make the zone entry by himself. Yeah. That's what you I know? mean. Like he's just, yeah. it's just so effortless for him. Definitely. You know, and, Another big, big thing we need to talk about is like how good Chadwell Weedle's been. You know, I've seen a lot of discourse on Penguins Twitter and a couple forums saying they feel like they need to upgrade that right-handed defense spot. But like, Mm. why? You know, like what's what's a Colin Miller going to do for the team and Mike Matheson specifically that Chadwell Weedle's not already doing? Like, let Weedle do it at seven making only 750 rather than bringing in a guy that makes a couple million and putting your team's cap situation in a state of mass chaos to the point where you're going to maybe have to trade somebody off of the roster in order to get the guy. Yeah. I just think that those are people that, that don't think that Rui brings in a flash. I think that he's like perfect for a third pairing right-handed defenseman. Um, he's just so steady on the back end. He, he doesn't make that mistake. Um, I could see the argument maybe um, for bringing in the right shot defenseman for depth purposes. You know, if you don't really trust like a Mark Friedman, although, I mean, Sullivan obviously really liked Friedman's versatility, but they're definitely deeper on the left side of the defense. So if they were to bring in another right shot defenseman, it would make sense, but not somebody to replace Ruedel, in my opinion. You know, going back to last year uh, when, you know, Cody Cece had a really, really solid season um, and then obviously got paid by Edmonton. I was like, okay, listen, 
that's great and all. I wouldn't have minded Cody CC coming back, but Chad Ruedel has been in the press box and can give you pretty much this exact same type of play, the same steady presence to go along with Mike Matheson. So I love that he's had a consistent presence in the top six because he deserves it. I, I mean, he was obviously a, a great luxury to have as a number seven, but he deserves to be in the top six. And the big key there, Smitty, is he can give it to you for $4 million cheaper. That's the big key. <laughs> exactly. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Exactly. And no long-term commitment. Also, yep. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if, if we're bringing in right-handed defense depth, it doesn't have to be a big thing. You don't have to crap away a bunch of assets for it. Literally, all you need is somebody like Luke Shen. You need that, like, veteran. Like, you need a Luke Shen, Zach Bogosian type. You know, basically, you need to just find the 2022 version of Ron Hainsey and just let him chill for a couple months. You know? Um, yeah, honestly, but, like, the team's in amazing shape, and... You know, it's a great time to be a Penguins fan. They're firing on all, all cylinders. And once they get these couple guys back from the COVID list, um, it can only go up from here, you know. And I know a lot of people forget, may forget that Jason Zucker exists from time to time, but he practiced today <laughs> in a regular black contact jersey, and he is well on his way to making the comeback. So, you know, maybe having Zucker in a reduced role gets him going. And if not, you know, who knows? That might be something that you potentially deal with at the trade deadline. But, you know, who knows? Like, you don't know what his value is and you don't know whether or not you're going to have to retain salary or whatnot. But, you know, I would think that a team would take a chance on Jason Zucker, especially a team out in the Western Conference. Yeah. I mean, when you have the body of work that he does, um, really, it's just going to come down to how much he's making, right? Like, I don't know what the return we're looking at would be, but are the pens going to have to eat cap to get anything in return or like a decent return? Or, you know, what are we looking at? Is it like a true hockey trade piece for piece? I don't know. I just, I know that unfortunately uh, the Jason Zucker Penguins marriage hasn't been as expected. Not that he's been a bad player, but everybody just can't get their eyes off that cap number. I think if you were to switch his cap number with a guy like Brian Rust or something like that, everybody would be completely fine with it. But when you're making five and a half million dollars and not scoring goals, no one cares that you're you know driving play when you're on the ice. When I say no one, I mean, you know, the common fans that aren't going to look at that stuff. Um, but yeah, he's just he's not been a five and a half million dollar player, which I think probably goes without saying. But I don't think he's a bad hockey player by any means. Exactly. You know, and part of me thinks you just hold on to him and hope he has a good playoff because, you know, if you have a deep, I thought he was pretty decent last playoff. So, I mean, yeah, I thought he was okay too. You know, yeah. if you have a deep playoff run where you go and win maybe two or three rounds, that'll, that your potential guys that you thought were immovable, that, that whole situation and that issue could potentially sort itself out. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, I mean that's a good point. You win a, especially if they, if you win, you win a cup. Yeah. You add that to everybody's resume. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you throw a Stanley Cup high. ring on Mike Matheson's finger, <laughs> and you're immediately getting at least a second round pick for him at the draft. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Pioj's got a spot. That's yeah. dude. That's what. That's what I want. That's what I need. You know, I need Poj to have a spot. And honestly, like. 
I'd be fine with Ricola and Ruedel being the defense pair, that third pair. Like I yeah. like those two together. They play well together, you know. But yeah, if that see that's the thing is right. I think not not to cut you off, but like with Ricola, I think that his skating ability and the way that we were just talking about the way that Sullivan and, and now Reardon as well joining the staff again have been able to get what they have out of Mike Matheson. I think you can kind of use that as a blueprint, not to, you know, not to say that it just seems like Rico is like a forgotten commodity at this point. So maybe this is like me talking in hindsight here, but that should have been the blueprint for what you, how you coach a guy like you. So who has that skating ability in that offensive zone, just presence that he offers in trying to figure out how do we get the most out of this guy defensively in our own end? How do we deploy this guy? How do we make this guy responsible and make sure he's not taking all these chances? Um, Maybe it's too late for that, but honestly, it just popped in my mind now. Like that would have been probably the guy to use as the blueprint for how to get the most out of this guy. Yeah, and I think that that could be a potential blueprint for P.O. Joseph as well, like maybe next year and beyond, you know, because he does have that ability. He does have that playmaking ability, but he can also be a stay-at-home defenseman if he needs to be, you know. So that that's definitely something to look into, but – um is there anything else you guys have in your head that you want to cover? I don't think so. Good on this. Yeah, we, got, we got a lot out of this episode. It's like your yep. penguin talk today. We really did. It, it flowed yep. really well. It went really well. So, all right, Smitty, um, what do you have coming up on Around the Forum 2? And I'm going to let you take a moment to plug anything you got coming up in your social medias and all that. Hmm. Trying to think if we have anything specific coming up. Well, hopefully we're not recapping the Steelers season on our next episode. Hopefully we got another game to play after Sunday night in Kansas City. They need to pull off a miracle. But, uh, hey, I don't know. Are they going to have some reinforcements in the form of Juju Smith-Schuster? We'll see. That's pretty wild that he practiced today. But um, I think it might just be keeping Kansas City on its toes making them prepare a little bit, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, you can find us at around the 412. You can find me at Zachary Smith PGH on Twitter. Last time I was on here, I think it was Zachary Smith 412, but had to change the handle up a little bit, add some flair. You can also find us uh, on YouTube at around the 412. I host two other shows called Platts Picks and uh, the fancy football show that we do as well. Our show comes out every Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern on the DK Pittsburgh Sports YouTube channel. You can find all the independent podcasts, all the staff podcasts, all the Pittsburgh sports content besides for checking TV, obviously, that you need in your life. Uh, other than that, I don't think I got anything else, man. It's been a blast. Awesome, man. Thank you for coming on. So, of course, right. appreciate you guys. Awesome. All right, guys, this has been another episode of for checking TV. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at for checking TV. And look for us wherever you get your podcast from. All right, guys, good night and go Steelers.